Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. For 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you, the patrons. They're so generous. They're so supportive. They make sure this show gets to continue by supporting it. But in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including... Ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and bonus content galore, ladies and gentlemen. Holy moly. There's the DLC Book Club. Two episodes out. The podcast version, exclusive to patrons of any level. There is an entire season of Feeling This. The awesome, let's just say it, awesome show with Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talking about the feelings behind video games. Season two on the way. And every Wednesday, the paid DLC program delights, entertains, surprises. We have Lana Bashinsky joining us every single week. This last week, Danish Syed stopped by. He pops in sometimes. We don't even know when it's going to happen. Surprise, excitement, fun, joy. And you can be a part of it by supporting the show at the Cool Ranch level over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show. It's a show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy that doesn't need your stinking extension. He's filing his taxes on time. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. <sighs> Tax time. It- yeah, I'm there. I'm ready. I am. Uh, I am. I am ready. But also, tax time really creeps up on me. And then it does that thing. And this is not the tax advice show. But then it does that thing where I'm like, 2022, but it's already 2023. <laughs> but I'm doing 20. Is it 2021? Is it 2020? And then the, I I don't know what day it is, but I am here, and my taxes yeah. are filed. I often t- there there are times in the middle of like August or September while I'll go. You know what, Jeff? Take a second and just. Be grateful for the <laughs> yeah. fact that you don't have to think about your taxes right now. I find them so stressful. Mine is, oh, happy mine tax is, day, I will, Americans. Mine is, I will go, uh, I will sit there and go, you know what, Christian? You just did your taxes last year and it was a mess. Yeah. This year, let's be organized. Cut oh, to yeah. next year. <laughs> That's always the fun lie that you tell yourself. Oh, this is the year that I'll separate my receipts. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. 
Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the fun stuff, video games. Holy moly, so much stuff to talk about this week. And we have an awesome guest to do that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But oh my goodness, this week I'm excited. Because DLC stands for Danny's Likeable Club. Because from the Good Gamers Club on TikTok, we've got Danny Bogue joining us for the first time. Hey, Danny. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. You know, I always listen to the show and I hear that hype music leading up to the to the beat drop. And here I am. I'm seeing it now. I'm experiencing it in real time. And guys, this is, <laughs> this is legit. <laughs> well, I'm glad it lived up. Uh, but I, I appreciate you being here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Good Gamers Club because I, I love the notion behind it. Yeah, sure. Um, so I manage a TikTok account called Good Gamers Club. And the way I always say, it's the club for good people who like good games. Really, only two rules I got here is you got to be a good person, treat others well, and like good games. That's it, man. If you, if you do, do those two things, no matter who you are, you're a member. Love it. Love it. I, I sense that uh, all of the listeners of this podcast would be immediate members. It very much aligns with our sensibilities here on DLC. So excited to have you on to chat games. And we got a lot to talk about. I'm ready. Let's 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 jump right into it. Start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Or by participating in one of our communities. We have a Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord. Great folks hanging out in the Discord, chatting it up. Christian and I stopping in, mixing it up. Uh, And we also have a subreddit. That's also 5x5DLC.reddit.com. I urge you to take part in the community. It's fun, folks. Good people. Good gamers. (laughs) Uh, that's what we love that's what we love uh danny you are a guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week well i know that only patrons can see the video feed uh you can check out the patreon (laughs) but i'm currently wearing a legend of zelda t-shirt and i just don't know what type of self-respecting zelda fan i would be if i didn't if my story of the week wasn't the deluge of content that we got this past (laughs) thursday between both Tears of the Kingdom and Final Fantasy 16, there was just so much to watch. I don't even ran out of time of the day. Yeah, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom right around the corner. And uh, Nintendo says to themselves, you know what? This game might not sell too well unless we show some people some more of the juicy, juicy footage. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, I welcome it. I think it's pretty exciting. This game, obviously, one of the most highly anticipated titles of the year. Uh, you, you are evidently a huge Zelda fan. Are you, are you a fan of Breath of the Wild? Are you excited for Tears of the Kingdom? Tell me what you thought of the new stuff, the new, I guess this will be the final trailer, pre-release trailer for Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Are you excited? Yeah, I am. I've got on my lock screen on my phone a countdown timer (laughs) (laughs) until May 12th. So I am definitely excited. You know, I've been a Zelda fan for years and years and years, ever since I was a kid. And I've, I haven't loved all of the games, but I enjoy playing all of them. And, you know, some are better than others. I personally am in the camp of a huge Breath of the Wild fan. I know, Jeff, uh, it didn't resonate with you uh, necessarily, um, but I love it. I, it really spoke to me. I loved the freedom that was given to the world. Um, and the kind of the sandbox play nature of it. Uh, what I found interesting about this is that the fandom has been divided 
over the past intervening six years since Breath of the Wild. There are some fans that are like, I just need my linear, give me my dungeons and my story, like, I don't want to say spoon fed, but very handed directly to me on a silver platter. And then there's, I think, the newer, younger crowd potentially that's coming in and is like, well, this is my first Zelda. Um, Or even just this, I really am excited about the direction that Zelda's going in in this way. And what's so funny is I feel like leading up to this trailer release, there have been so many people on my channel on TikTok, but then also just across the wider internet that's been like, man, this game's going to be trash. It's going to be DLC for Breath of the Wild, where they're not showing us anything. They must not have anything to show. And I look back to when Breath of the Wild was originally announced and leading up to release. We didn't know much about Breath of the Wild. We had a similar trailer to this where it was story and incredible music and kind of gameplay teases but we didn't know that much until the game actually came out and people got their hands on it uh so now after this incredible trailer i'm seeing a lot of people online going okay okay i was wrong (laughs) i was maybe i was a little hasty (laughs) leading up to this and yeah man i am i'm hyped yeah well you say what you will about uh zelda games ups and downs over the years uh, I don't think I think we can all agree that that Nintendo doesn't put out a Zelda game unless it meets a certain level of quality. Absolutely, and uh, they certainly seem to be doing that this time as well. Uh, lots of new stuff. It's interesting that even when this game was first mentioned by Nintendo, it was described as a sequel to Breath of the Wild, not another mm-hmm. installment in the storied Legend of Zelda franchise. It was a sequel to Breath of the Wild. And that's very much what it seems to be. And in the way that sequels do, it seems to have a whole bunch of new bells and whistles added to a tried and true template. And um, so I, are there any particular whistles and bells that uh, that strike your fancy, Danny? What is it about this trailer that makes you so excited? Is it it stirs those old Zelda things, or is it the new stuff? Uh, it's a little bit of both because the you know in Breath of the Wild you had your main uh, mechanics such as magnesis and uh, cry uh, was a cryosis like where you can turn things into ice and yeah. stuff. And as we saw in the gameplay reveal um, a few weeks ago, we have new abilities like fusing things together and making giant mechs that kind of look like kaiju like it's wild so all of that is very exciting but i think what i'm finding really exciting about breath or sorry tears of the kingdom overall is that um there were some even just diehard zelda fans like myself as much as we loved breath of the wild there were some rough edges that i think since the nintendo uh, took such a big swing with breath of the wild they kind of faltered here and there the biggest one that i've seen and i i'm part of this camp is breath of the wild didn't really have traditional dungeons nothing where you'd be like this is the fire temple and you it's all fired you know um enemies throughout it was those you know uh those beasts that you went through and that was amazing but it wasn't exactly what traditional zelda fans were waiting for and they didn't necessarily say in this trailer hey there's gonna be dungeons but if you watch that trailer there are i would say at least a half a dozen shots where i can pause and go Guys, that's that's a dungeon. <laughs> like, come on, that is a dungeon. Um, so I, I think they gave us the right amount of saying, hey, you can probably suss out what's going to happen here, but without actually explaining it to us in uh, in full force. I hope you're right. I think that would be that's something I definitely missed about Breath of the Wild as is those it's such a joy to go through a, a classic Legend of Zelda dungeon. Uh, and, and those beasts were cool. 
but I did miss that, you know, that that notion of puzzle solving. And I mean, there's lots of puzzles in Breath of the Wild, obviously, <laughs> but but that just that notion of being in this self-contained place that feels like a puzzle box and uh, finishing it. And 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 it, yes, you said, you know, delivered on a silver platter to, to gamers. And I think it's more the ordered nature of that. You go to this temple, then you go to that temple. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that is simplistic and maybe it's uh, of a of a bygone era, but it, it there's something joyous about that to me as well. Um, Christian, did you have a chance to see the new Tears of the Kingdom? Are you on board? I mean, we talked about the, the last presentation with uh, showing, you know, some of the really cool new uh, mechanics that, that the game will offer as far as getting Link to manipulate all the stuff in the world. And it really feels like, they're blowing the doors off as far as letting you have those emergent gameplay moments, building things and, and figuring out ways that the developers perhaps didn't even anticipate to interact with the world. But did this trailer add more flavor or are you already on board? Well, I think if you go back and listen, like over the years of this show, Jeff, one thing our audience will know that is that I demand two things from my Zelda games. One, Ganon needs to be hot. Yes, like, you always say that. <laughs> I've all, it's, I mean, the best Zelda games are hot Ganon. Two yeah. needs to be voiced by a popular DM. Like there mm, are just, yeah. I have a basic <laughs> levels of what mm-hmm. I need for my Zelda games. Yeah. Like I need yeah. hot bod, mm-hmm. hot voice. And I feel These like- These are textbook examples. Thank yeah. you. Um, you were so joking frustrated aside. in the NES era when there literally was no voice for Ganon. <laughs> but pretty hot pixels. Still hot and um, pixely. Still, yeah, pixels still, hot, still yeah. hot pixels. Still hot pixels. <laughs> I agree with Danny that I think that this is very much Nintendo's marketing and, and what it has been for the franchise, kind of this iteration of it. And I think- they know what their pre-order numbers are. Uh, folks are chomping at the bit for this game. It's going to be huge. And I think they've shown this story trailer, I think, set a lot of things up, but didn't answer everything, which I appreciate. I mean, we've talked about with cinema how you'll, you know, you, you see a trailer and it's like, oh, that's the opening, that's the middle, oh, and that's the final. Okay, well, I've seen seen <laughs> what I need to seen what I need right. to know. And I think Nintendo usually does a really good job showing some of the cool epic moments, the awesome soundtrack and score. And then in this trailer, showing some of that, the, like the story beats, like you mentioned, this is a sequel. And I think showing some of that and what it means to be a sequel um, without answering all of the questions is a really exciting way to do it. This in no way turned down the hype um, for Tears of the Kingdom, in my opinion. Turned down for what? Um, yeah, hot Ganon, yeah. I guess that's what I'm turning down for. <laughs> I genuinely just wish I had a better console to play it on. Uh, but you know, that's a different story. That much I agree on. I, I, I love Zelda and I love my Switch, but uh, there's a small part of me that's jumping away from like I was just playing Resident Evil and we'll get to it in 60 frames, and I'm like, ah, oh, the 30. I'm, I'm all right, I, I can yeah. do it. I could do it. I just wish it was, I wish. Nintendo was on board with everybody else and was like, yeah, it's on our, on our console and also PC. And then I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jeff, you just also, have to wait another year when the Switch Pro comes out and then you'll replay Tears of the Kingdom in. No, it's, what's going to happen is it won't even be a year. It's going to be like Z- Zelda will come out and then they'll uh, right on the heels of that. They'll be like this fall. And I'll be like, curse <laughs> you. We know you just beat the game. Beat it yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Play the what game is slightly the, better game is- version that we're putting out. <laughs> New game plus. I pay us seventy dollars again. It's yep. marginally yes. better. It's like ah, marginal. <laughs> I love marginal improvements. Uh, anyway, uh, 
Danny, you fit right in on the show because you also mentioned a second story in your story of the week. Um, and that is <laughs> the state of play that we got focusing entirely on Final Fantasy 16 this week. Sony state of play 20 minutes of gameplay about Final Fantasy 16. You've uh, you've mentioned your love of the Zelda franchise. How do you feel about the Final Fantasy franchise? Is it up there for you as well? You know, something I say on Good Gamers Club all the time is that no matter what type of gamer you are, if you like easy mode, if you like hard mode, if you've never played a series, uh, I don't care what, you're welcome here. And that is somewhat self-serving because I have like no attachment to Final Fantasy. Oh, interesting. When I was growing up, I I was a Nintendo household. <laughs> um, I ended up getting an Xbox in my teen years. I just, I didn't own a PlayStation until my mid-20s. Um, so I just never, I know... Older games were on SNES. I was too young for it, though. So I've never really gotten into the Final Fantasy series until recently. And I, we'll get to it later, but I've been enjoying Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I've been cautiously like, you know what? Maybe there's something to this whole Final Fantasy series that people keep talking about. <laughs> it is funny how Final Fantasy became synonymous with PlayStation because it was always a Nintendo franchise when I was growing up. You know, when I was little. Yeah. Anyway, um, and maybe not that little. So all of that just to say... 16 i'm i'm here man i'm hyped for yeah. this this looks like my type of game and coming from someone that's never really been into the series before i watched that and i went all right take my money when let's go june i'm ready this 20 minute footage really confirms what all of the early hands-on that we got just a few weeks ago from folks saying hey this is a full-on action rpg in a way that final fantasy has never been and the voiceover in this 20 minute Gameplay demonstration confirms that, explicitly says it. Uh, in fact, boy, I was shocked in the first couple of minutes. It literally says, we liken this Final Fantasy to a high-speed roller coaster ride. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you could say a lot of things about the Final Fantasy franchise, but I wouldn't ever have described it that way. That feels like a real <laughs> divergence from what it is. You would often get uh, many, many hours of, of slow <laughs> grinding to get to two and a half minutes of exciting cutscene. That was Final Fantasy, you know? And More like, let's say, a dark ride, like in, in Disney's Fantasyland, where you're slowly yes. moving on a flat surface. You, you're getting the story. It's all there, the but maybe it's not thrilling. Yeah, you can tell me exactly. This is, if it does feel like it's a small world, if at the end of, periodically, if it, and it's a small world, you got really cool action sequence. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, now they really are uh, showing this off as... You know, um, it, it gave me Witcher vibes, Witcher 3 vibes. Uh, lots of wandering, you know, uh, third person camera wandering behind a, a assorted guy with a doggy uh, th through these cool environments and then big uh, action set pieces. Um, I mean, it's a real change for Final Fantasy. And for my money, I don't want to be Mr. Naysayer, but for my money, um, I think rubs away some of the specialness. Of, of Final Fantasy because I think it is now conforming to what every other role-playing game that comes out is. Um, but mm -hmm. tell me why I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you guys, uh, maybe you guys disagree. Uh, Christian, what did you think of this uh, 20 minutes of Final Fantasy 16? Well, if people that have listened to this show for over the years know, there's always two things I demand <laughs> of my yeah. Final Fantasy games. Um, yeah. we all super, super hot swords that are really oversized. <laughs> thank you yeah. or and regular size voiced by <laughs> but hot but hot um yeah but the swords voiced by um 
voice actors from the live action version of Beauty and the Beast. Um, <laughs> so I think these trailers in these in Breath of the Wild and Final Fantasy, like here we have these two storied franchises, you know, coming out with new iterations for all intents and purposes, relatively clo- like close to each other, very close to each other. I think there are potential lessons for both having, you know, not played either yet, but Final Fantasy has been a franchise that is constantly reevaluating what it is, whether narratively setting and then playing with different mechanics. This feels like the biggest jump in, in, in many ways, but also looking back at Final Fantasy VII Remake and some of the other projects that have come out, I feel like you kind of seen them dipping their toes into these waters. And I think, you know, you look at what, Nintendo did with Breath of the Wild and the success of going something totally different with a storied franchise can have. And you look at Final Fantasy games over the last few years and kind of the, not necessarily even just sales numbers, but perhaps cultural relevancy. They didn't seem to be carrying the same weight that they used to. And so I think when you look across the way and you're like, oh, they did something radically different. It worked. These other types of action games are selling really well and they're working. Those RPGs are doing really well and kind of taking the genre forward. Like, what can we do? I think this seems like a really exciting step for Final Fantasy 16. And I think the best thing I can say about Final Fantasy 16 is that if it doesn't work, 17 can be totally different. <laughs> and that says nothing about the franchise. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's always it's ever thus, ever thus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be a deck builder. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, right. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want the game to be great. I do. I want the big game to be great. I, Danny, what were you going to say? Yeah, I find it interesting just given both of your perspectives. And I guess like I'm the, the odd duck out here having not been a fan previously is they're being pretty explicit in saying like in the presentation, they said, if you've never played a game before, that's fine. I, I think when you see series that have numbers as high as 16, like even Zelda, it's like there's so many Zelda games. If you look at the, the timeline and stuff, I I kind of got intimidated after a while. I'm like, all right, well, I heard seven's really good. And then it's like, oh, well, now there's 10, now there's 12 and 14 and so on. They're being pretty straightforward and saying, hey, look, none of that matters. Like, sure, you can go back and play those games. But if you want to come in, you know, prospective buyer with money in your wallet, if you want to come play this game, you you're we're here for you. On top of that, um, something that I'm usually a big advocate for. They're also saying, hey, do you not really like action games? Do you like just want to, like, experience the Game of Thrones style story? They basically said there's gameplay mechanics that will just kind of do the fighting for you. They'll you'll auto dodge, you'll you'll auto attack, um, and you'll discover more items that will help you do that. It's clear, for better or worse, that they are going for a blue ocean strategy of like, hey, we need more people to come in and start getting getting into this series. Yeah, but I think likewise they put 16 on it to let people know we're taking this seriously. This isn't Final Fantasy colon action game you know this is Mm -hmm. they're taking it seriously putting the weight behind it offshoot yeah not a side series yeah yes uh and and i think in in the same way we just talked about nintendo's approach to legend of zelda you know square enix doesn't put out a numbered final fantasy game unless they really feel like it is worthy of that moniker it is a storied franchise so in that sense i think it will be a high quality release my Personal anticipation level is pretty low, but I've never been the hugest Final Fantasy fan. I've I've enjoyed many of them. 
Um, but as the last few iterations have sort of weaned themselves into this place uh, away from what they once were, I, I've gotten less and less excited about them. And honestly, I mean, I, I hate to be so uh, negative about what I saw, but um, one of the lines in the in the trailer was, or the gameplay presentation was, you know, we're pushing the PlayStation 5 to its limits, which is like, doesn't seem that way by what I'm seeing. It, it, it didn't seem particularly mm-hmm. impressive looking or or it didn't seem like it was doing if it, it looked like big empty areas for the most part and i don't know there were lots of particles jeff though there were particles <laughs> yeah i th- i think that when when they said that because i clocked that same thing and i was like oh, okay this must look really incredible and usually in most of the big action scenes i was like wow that's a lot of space dust or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair enough that's popping on screen down for the space dust they're they're gonna deliver right um we'll see we'll see i'm sure that game will be huge as well and maybe i'll uh, eat my words and be loving it when it comes out um christian spicer what is your story of the week well speaking of games coming out jeff um suicide squad kill the justice league this is our uh semi-annual quarterly Every few week, check in on Suicide Squad <laughs> Kill the Justice League, which has yeah. yet been delayed. We've known. Well, I guess we've we've rumored. Uh, we've heard. It is now confirmed and confirmed with a date that is um, not yeah, this year. Right. Sorry, 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 sorry. I was trying to really hover in your finger over that button. Christian kept having big pauses, and I was like, well, now's the time. As you were saying, Christian, as you were saying, uh, every game is delayed. Uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice. We we had their big 20-minute gameplay reveal uh not too long ago that was supposed to be their uh their trumpeting announcement that the game was was coming and it, it landed like a big lead balloon kind of like my and kind of like my little sound drop there <laughs> and before that they had the the first delay like this is really our date like we mean it this time jerks yeah, you know like yeah. scratched into the bat it's happening and now we're getting this new date <laughs> february 2nd 2024 which is a long time, but not take yeah, the not gra- video game, game back. Long time, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Like not <laughs> fix what was wrong with it. I think time. Yeah, is this giving you Halo Infinite vibes? I mean, the the development doesn't seem to have been that troubled per se in terms of like. Ex- I mean, I know we did have the head of the studio, uh, <laughs> some high ranking studio heads leave, um, but. It, to me, if anything, this seems like uh, games take so long to make that if you take a bet on a style of game that seems like the chase the trend or money thing and it ends up not working, that can be problematic. And and that's what this is looking like to me. But like you in Final Fantasy, Jeff, I hope I'm wrong. And now I hope that 2024 it, Suicide Squad is my game of the year. Want to take any bets as to whether it comes out on February second, twenty twenty four? No, it feels like a weird. I mean, I guess February is the new whatever. It doesn't matter. Video games can come out anytime, any anytime now, right? Um, and I, it, you know, that is a it has to come out before Q three or whatever the Q is that starts in March. Um, <laughs> but boy, that doesn't give it gives me the uh oh feeling. And you're right that. It's a it's a year basically a little less than a year obviously but um 
what do you do, what do you do between now and then to change that game? If if what's wrong with it? I mean, Halo Infinite had a similar pathway, right? It was shown, everybody went, uh, we kind of don't like that. And they went, okay, year delay. But theirs was, you know, it just doesn't look like a showcase for the console. It doesn't look pretty enough. Give it a better coat of paint. Uh, I don't think anybody was talking about the visuals. Uh, and, and it feels to me, as somebody that has not participated in <laughs> game development, so maybe I don't know anything, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't feel to me like, uh, the it feels like the gra- a graphical upgrade is a lot easier to do in a year than a this game plays not the way we were hoping it does. <laughs> so yeah, the the fundamental uh, gameplay loop I don't think is changing. I think we're still going to be shooting big purple orbs like uh, across giant robots. Like I think that's still going to be the core conceit of it. And it's such a bummer because I feel like when this game first got announced, how how many years ago? Six years ago? Like, it, it feels like that, like ages ago. When you tell me on paper, hey, you know the Arkham games? Like, you love those games? Oh, yeah, Rocksteady, they're great. They're making a new game, and it's Suicide Squad. Whoa, what? That's crazy. I was so hyped. And then subsequently, each delay, it's like, taking me down a peg, taking me down a peg, taking me down a peg. This one kind of brought me up half a peg, I guess. Like, it... It's not great because, like you said, it's not like the game's going to change. But at the same time, there's, um, you know, sometimes we've got this problem in current day gaming where I've only got so much time in the day and there's just a lot to do. One might say there's... (laughs) Exactly. Some might say there's too many games. So when there's a delay, I don't really complain that much. I'm like, all right, fine, delay it. I've got enough going on with me anyway. So this almost like balances out to a neutral like fine push it see do what you can do but i don't my hype levels are not increasing for it by any stretch yes i mean obviously there's there's already tons of stuff to play this year and i can be worried about that and and it was it was set to be released right in the the thick of some crazy releases i'm gonna go on the record and say i think this game is not gonna come out and be the same game they showed um at least Hmm. At least they're not going to market it that way. I think the next time we hear about this game, next time we see it in twenty, you know, at end of this this year or early next year, when they next are start to to flex about it, I think we're going to see lots of superheroes and lots of big superheroy battles uh, that don't have anything to do with with you know gelatinous purple sacks that we're shooting. <laughs> uh, even if that's still in the game, I don't think they're going to be showing it or promoting it um and i think they're going to really focus on making this game feel like uh a heroic be in the shoes of a superhero against other superheroes thing um and i also predict that february 2nd is not the final release date for this game maybe they have some constraints maybe they have some constraints about getting it out before the the quarter ends um but I suspect that this game will be delayed yet again. Uh, Jeff coming Christian... off the film cast summer wager with like just wanting to put new predictions into the world. It's not even the end of the year. You're just ready, you know, for our show. Yeah. You're coming in early and hot. Love it. Coming in hot. What do you think, Christian? Are you, you think uh, you think this game's coming out on February second? Yes, I right. do. I like I, it. I, I, I'm going to yes. Pushed into a corner, I will say yes, only because so long, and I think WB is 
looking to get this game out now. Like you've, we've given you, this is our third official date. We need to get this thing off the books. We need to get it out. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to say yes. Originally set to release in 2022. Did they say if there's um, a battle pass for it already? Well, there was all that discussion of how that was going to work. And I don't think any of it was official. And I suspect all that's right, going to be, right. you know, they didn't talk about how it was going to be, you know, have an always on requirement, even when you were playing single player. I think all of that's going to change. Um, yeah, that that stuff seems like the things that they could tweak because judging off that last showcase back in what, February or so, the majority of the, the, you know, hate that came from it was from like a microtransactions battle pass, like, oh, there's cosmetics and I'm gonna have to buy this and that. So I'm not saying they're gonna get rid of that. I mean, <laughs> the game seems to revolve around it. But that does seem like something that maybe they could finesse and like you said, kind of put under the rug and just be like, all right, well, we're not going to be as overt about it as we uh, had originally planned. Yeah. So one of those games that's going to fit in that old, uh, you know, that, that storied list with alongside cyberpunk and halo infinite and all these games that have just had, you know, so highly anticipated and then just languish in, in development hell. Um, I hope, I hope the, the story turns out a positive one. Uh, this is a game we've we've been really excited about for quite a long time. So, you know, you want these games to come out and be great, but you know, I don't know. Crossing fingers and indeed, toes. Indeed, indeed. Um, boy, I, there's a lot of really interesting uh, stories this week. I think I'm going to go with one that was submitted to us uh, via email at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. As I mentioned every week, uh, Tyler sent this in, and it's fascinating to me. This kind of is very similar to something I did predict in our predictions episode, Christian. If you, if you know, notice. I predict uh, but, that Tyler will send us an email yeah. middle of April. Um. No, this is this is a story about uh, Google and Stanford teaming up to use ChatGPT to power video game characters, uh, and this is a fascinating thing. I think this is inevitable the inevitable future that we're all heading for it and i think it's pretty exciting in the sense that one of the things you know since time in memoriam <laughs> as far as video games as far as i remember in video games everybody was like yeah it's nice when you make the graphics prettier but can't somebody make the characters more interesting more intelligent smarter make the <laughs> make that ai improve and then every generation it's like oh look Everything's shinier and prettier. And people are like, well, but they still haven't made the AI of the NPCs, the enemies, the, and all that stuff. Nobody's made them smarter. Well, we might be on the verge of that actually happening for once. And it sounds like this experiment that Stanford participated in with, with Google um, yielded some fascinating results because <laughs> they basically created a uh, what they described as a game sort of like the sims uh where each of the little characters in the game little npcs in the game uh were fed ai from chat gpt based on a huge system of of you know the internet basically the the data set and they uh started behaving like people they had uh it said quote Generative agents woke up, cooked breakfast, headed to work. Artists painted while authors wrote. They formed opinions, noticed each other, initiated conversations. They remembered and reflected on days past as they planned the next day. Eh, that sounds pretty crazy and pretty cool. Um, 
<laughs> Here's another quote. To enable generative agents, we describe an architecture that extends a large language model to store a complete record of the agent's experiences using natural language, synthesize those memories over time into higher level reflections, and retrieve them to dynamically plan behavior. So basically, the craziest part about this to me is that it's using natural language. It's not, this isn't, they're not generating, uh, you know, computer code. They're generating a series of inner monologues for these for these characters. <laughs> and the characters then think back on those, you know, source those inner monologues from previous days to make their future interactions more interesting. So if you can imagine, this isn't how it works now, but it leads me to imagine a game where I walk up to an NPC in a video game world, have a conversation with them, and then much later I interact with them again and they not only remember what I said to them the first time we interacted, but they've heard things from other characters that I've interacted. It's a, it's a completely dynamic way of interacting with the world. It's not pre-programmed. It's not, it's not uh, you know, static. It's a telltale game times a million, right? Instead of like, Jeff will remember that. And then you're other, it's like, <laughs> Jeff will remember that. And this is what Tina told Jeff. And P.S., <laughs> Jeff knows you're lying because he talked to Mark. And boy, is Mark angry. <laughs> yeah. So they, they started all this with inputting a single paragraph description that explained to the AI what the character was all about. Given occupations, relationships with other characters, even memories. In a single paragraph... And then from there, ChatGPT took over the decision-making with, their, uh, with respect to their backstory, and a surprisingly interesting community emerged. <laughs> talk about, an, you know, an ant farm, right? And talk about The Sims. Talk about, you know, The Sims, yeah. they get hungry, they get mad. That's about it. If you had a little, uh, little world in there of people, I mean, this is happening. Now, What's holding it back? Well, it turns out it's extraordinarily expensive to do this on a on a game level. Extraordinarily, it's expensive. Every Chat GPT uh, ask is is very expensive. They say uh, searching with a uh, with a natural language model like this uh, compared to just a regular Google search is a one hundred x cost increase. Oof. So I don't think we're going to see, uh, you know, games do this in the super short term, although I did predict it. Um, <laughs> it, it just may be too cost prohibitive, but that's going to change. As with everything technology related, costs come down. And at a certain point, we're just going to have little worlds that we'll go into that will feel ridiculously sophisticated. And I want to know, Danny, are you down for that or does it creep you out? Um, I'm of two minds of it. Uh, it definitely creeps me out. It, it, it creeps me out not only in like the iRobot type of way where it's like, wow, you just, so you said Ant Farm and there's like, oh wait, so there's a community? Does that community have like opinions on like real things? And so it definitely creeps me out in that way. But my, my bigger flag that I kind of just feel a little irksome about is you, so we talk about these, uh, NPCs that exist and, you know, they, they get programmed to do X or Y. Like I think of specifically like Horizon Forbidden West, like they promoted a ton leading up to that game. Like, hey, each village, people will have jobs and they'll be, you know, taking out water and they'll be doing this and playing games and drinking with each other. And 
that didn't just happen. They had to pay people. There were people that have careers and jobs that are doing that and programming all of those things. So when I look at uh, AI and all this stuff, it is very, there's an optimism about it where I go, the creativity that people are using with it is just incredible. The technology itself is incredible. But sometimes I feel like, man, we're moving fast. We're moving real fast with this and we're not pausing to consider well, what are the implications? Oh, of there's this? no pausing. So there's no pausing. <laughs> No, OpenAI doesn't support it, actually. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So I, I, the the cost thing kind of quells my fears a little bit because I go, okay, well, if it truly is 100 times you know more expensive to do this, um, th- thankfully, video games are already really expensive to, to make. So I don't see that, like you said, happening anytime soon. So maybe that gives everyone time to like pause and go, all right, well what do we do with these people? Like maybe these people that are in those careers can figure out how to, you know, manipulate the AI instead of having to manually program it. So there's maybe time to do it, but from a pure gameplay perspective, it sounds, sounds pretty dope. What do you think, Christian? Are you ready to uh, log into a game where everyone has an opinion about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, about the version the of me. That's the internet. Yeah, it's the version of me that exists in that game. Now it would be creepy is if like the, uh, Oh God. This isn't far either, right? The idea, so I'm going to back up a little bit. The idea that we have now of the perceived listening and then actual data tracking that happens where you're like, I was just thinking about shoes the other day. And I said to my friend, I want to get new shoes. And then I go online and it's like, you should check out these uh, new shoes. And I'm like, wow. Now, if you have that. I'll message you tomorrow when I get shoe ads in my uh, my feed. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I got to make sure, Danny. Shoe shoe sneaker shoe (laughs) nike reebok adidas um now you're good um (laughs) but like layering that now on top of this ai type thing where it's not even necessarily my character in game but they come at me and they're like bring my real world life into it somehow where it's like (laughs) hey uh spartacus we're gonna go on this adventure also you need uh more dog poop bags and i'm like what <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like oh it's all colliding um but by then i will have my own ai playing one of those play to earn games like look this is the future i'll have an ai that's farming in a in a mm. nft web 3 game right and it's mining me bitcoin that's making me money that i can then fuel in to pay the ai to write the character in the next game that then comes out and i still feel depressed but between <laughs> <laughs> those characters there's something I, I think something amazing will come out of this but it is it, 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 parts of it feel very much like a black mirror episode that i don't know how it ends yet <laughs> i obviously have expressed a lot of concerns about this technology one place i'm not super concerned about it is in the context of gaming for me i see huge upside for gaming it's all of the other stuff that we're gonna get (laughs) that i'm worried about minor details minor details you know it's the uh (laughs) pan economic uh (laughs) influence changes that will just crush every aspect of modern human life but gaming is gonna be sick it's gonna be sick (laughs) uh i think uh you know what we all need, we're, we're all going to need that universal basic income to be just be able to interact in our game worlds all day long uh, because the game worlds are going to be wild. I mean, here's what I mean. I, all joking aside, I do think with constraints, 
And you know how humans are super good at constraints. <laughs> but with <laughs> you should see me when it comes to a dessert platter, talking about putting yes. constraint on things. You, you know. don't touch it. Because it just goes right in your mouth. You know, no fingers involved. Um, <laughs> just inhale. No, no, no. I, I mean, you know, the, the thing you described, Christian, is possible now. And yes, there are a lot of really smarmy, gross, uh, manipulative games that are trying to separate you from your, your money. But there's also a lot of really great games that would never in a million years have that kind of crass, you know, marketing or, you know, in-game um, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the, uh, pro product placement, product placements, what I was looking for. Um, so just because it's possible, there will be things that do that. The best of them won't. The best of them will simply be trying to create as interesting and cool, a virtual world to participate in as possible. So for me, I envision the best video games having characters that are dynamic and interesting and actually react to things and don't have any canned, you know, it, and it, by constraints, I mean, not just constraining ourselves against the, <laughs> the uh, temptations of capitalism gone wild. I mean, constraining the ability of the AI within the context of the game to do everything. So if you can build a, a character in a game that doesn't just expand untethered that it it really is like i'm creating a i'm creating aloy in this game you know i'm treating a a well-rounded interesting uh, hero woman who you're going to meet and you make maybe can team up with and and fight the bad guys and Around the campfire, you can have really interesting conversations that are all contextually accurate. She's not going to bring up products to buy in the real world. She's not going to bring up <laughs> politics. She's not going to tell you to murder your family, you know, <laughs> as, a, as an agent of the, you know, robot takeover. <laughs> but she's literally going to have like this cool ability to be infinitely interesting all the time. And if all the characters in the way you walk into a, a, a city a, a, a fantasy city and every character has a, a life and desires and wants. And, and that sounds fascinating to me from somebody that's always been invested in virtual worlds. If you can create that and have it not be a bottomless pit of nonsense, have it actually be structured in some way, have human beings craft it in some way where things do matter and there is a reason to be there and a reason to do the thing and the quest and the storyline and all that stuff. But also everyone is rich and interesting and there isn't just six different dialogue options. And after that, they repeat themselves. I think that's a win. Right. I think that's amazing for gaming. Yeah, because you even talked earlier about like the the broader, you know, macroeconomic situations that we've got here. That that's scary from like an automation point of view like hey are we going to automate every job that exists but there are some things that are worth automating in games and uh ultimately i think if it's viewed as a tool that artists and creators can use and you know fold and or not fold a mold and shape and like use the best way they can to deliver that experience that would be ideal compared to like 
hey, we made an AI and then that AI made another AI and that AI is making a game and it's all just completely one com- contained yeah. thing. That's scary. And hopefully, like you said, there's like guardrails that they're putting in place to like make sure that doesn't happen because if it is truly just, hey, I don't know, like Final Fantasy 16, like if, if that game coming out, they needed to like, hey, we need to like make a bunch of trees and we need to make a bunch of, uh, you know, NPCs and whatever. Go for it. That, that sounds really exciting. Hey, Jeff. Yo. Do you like this armor? It's epic. It's epic. There's only here's the yeah, quest. I Listen want closely. That. Want that. Yeah, yeah, you run it. Yeah. I Kill want your that. neighbor. <laughs> like in the game? Yes. Also in the game. <laughs> um sure. But doesn't Roger Willstone live at two 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 four Eastview Trail Creek? What? I mean, that's going to be the challenge of all this stuff is how do you put those constraints on? How do you, how do you, when you have a, a, a system of AI that teaches itself, you know, how do you, how do you constrain it into just being this little character in this game world? And I'm, I'm really curious to see what this Stanford study, you know, if it goes far enough when, uh, <laughs> here's an, here's a, anecdote from the from the article that tyler sent us it says um <laughs> uh, agents took on their given lives and could retrieve memories as if they were real interacting with each other in full character the researchers simulated events such as a valentine's day party and the agents reacted Aww. accordingly by inviting others to the party anonymously and asking each other out on dates when the party happened they coordinated to turn up together Christian, the, the AI is not going to tell us to murder our neighbor. They're going to tell us to give party. a Valentine to Come our neighbor. On. No, no. The humans, <laughs> the humans did that part and the AI responded appropriately because this was the AI's first Valentine's Day. When Stanford ran that same experiment again, half of those characters said, I'm not participating in this Hallmark holiday and sat it out. And they did it the third time. And one of the characters said, I feel unloved by all of the other characters in here. And it started forming a militia when they did it the fourth time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm trying to see at least a little silver lining in this inevitable future we're marching into at a breakneck pace. Dear AI like... who's listening to this podcast, I too am <laughs> looking for a, I also am on your side. I am optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fast-paced roller coaster ride reality in 2023 perfect yep. all right speaking of which uh let us talk about the games that we have been playing this week but first i want to thank our sponsor squarespace 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 the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online stand out with a beautiful website Engage with your audience and sell anything, your products, content you create, even your time. I've been using Squarespace for over a decade. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. I love it. I love Squarespace. It's so easy to make a website. Uh, but also, you got all of these cool brand building tools, these, these cool ways to sell things, to monetize. You can monetize your content, your expertise. In a way that fits with your brand, you got those member areas on the new Squarespace. You can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access. 
the gated content like videos and online courses and newsletters. You can make the videos in Squarespace's Video Studio app right there. It's got everything you need to make and share engaging videos that tell your story, grow your audience, drive sales. The online stores are so easy. You can sell digital products, physical products, everything you need. It's just a click away. Drag it into your website. All of a sudden, you've got an online store. You've got simultaneous posting where uh, Squarespace, Squarespace can authenticate your social profiles, letting you auto-post your content to Facebook and Twitter or your personal brand pages or Tumblr. All the post entries and images are optimized and tagged properly. It's so simple. They've got analytics to help you grow your business. Check it out. You've never seen anything like this. It's, it's really the, the easiest way to do everything regarding a website. Go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. For a free trial, it's completely free. You can use the tools, build your website, and then when you're ready to launch it, you can use our offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all worn, word, all worn. It's my way of saying one word, all worn. <laughs> Jeff sent me. It saves you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial and the promo code Jeff sent me for, seven, for saving 10% off. Thanks, Squarespace, for supporting the show. Danny, what games have you been playing this week? Uh, well, I have a tale of two remakes. Mm. Uh, two remakes that are very different for me. <laughs> um, the first is Resident Evil 4 remake, as I'm sure you could probably expect if you're out there as a gamer. Like it's, I feel it's on every stream. If I'm scrolling TikTok, everyone's talking about RE4 because, hey, guys, turns out Resident Evil 4 is a good video game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was 20 years ago, and it still is today. Like I, so I played it. Um, as I said, I was a Nintendo household and I had my GameCube and I was, gosh, I must have been 15 when that game came out. Um, and same, I love same horror. age. Yeah, 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 me too, me same. too, me too. So 15, <laughs> yeah. definitely. I think it might have been 10 if I'm thinking nah, about I it. Probably I'm like, oh. I probably don't even remember it. It was so young. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to about 20 years ago. I wasn't born. Anyway, go ahead, Danny. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> amongst friends, amongst friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I didn't, at the time, I just wasn't into horror movies or games, but there was something about it where all my friends were talking about, oh man, this is revolutionary, the, the controls are wild. I was addicted to that game. I fell in love with it. It kind of got me into horror movies and the horror genre. Um, so when they announced this remake, I was like, bet, like I'm there, take my money. I don't even show me a frame of footage. And I am so happy to report that, man, they nailed this. The, with the exception of maybe the rain effect that I know a lot of people have bemoaned, I, I have had such a good time with this game. I, I recently beat it, so I made it the whole way through, and now I'm playing a bit of Mercenaries. And uh, it's, it's great. They, it does that great remake thing that I know people say all the time where I, I went back to YouTube and I started watching footage of the original, and I went... Oh, it really is that big. Of a difference, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not how I remember it, but I feel like the game is how I remember sure. things. But no, no, I, I was way wrong. Yeah, we so. talk about that a lot. I think you know, Halo, the 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 Halo remaster really nailed it with that button that lets you flop back and forth. I feel yes. like that should be a requirement for the remakes. Just maybe not through the whole game, <laughs> just a few moments where they're just like, "Hey, real quick, just real quick, we want to re remind you what this game used to look like." Yeah, we, we did a lot of work. <laughs> 
Yeah, there should be like a room. Appreciate our work. Like the first, the first house you go into in RE4, there's like an uh, an old like GameCube, and you can play the. You know what I mean? Because like the control, they changed so much. So it's like, oh, yeah, and just pulls up a side by side, and then Leon looks. You know, does it? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) The zombie comes and grabs you and holds your neck and forces you to look at a CRT television. (laughs) Look at it. Four eighty I is what we have. It's in jumbled Spanish, so half the people playing don't even know what they're saying, even though they are saying, you know, the, the right words. But uh, that's funny. It's like a, it's like a boomer or like millennial, whatever, like aging uh, generation. The feature where yeah. it's like, hey, you kids don't know how good you got look, it kids, like, when, when we were playing it. Yeah, he's <laughs> just literally there's a, the same NPC in every remake. Is like in my day, <laughs> what are you oh, buying? No. What are you selling? This is what the game used to look like. And you're like, oh, no, the merchant. It says press X to skip. And then you try. And he's like, in my day, we couldn't skip cutscenes, kid. Nice try. We were loading the textures. We had to swap discs. Do you understand? Anyway, I'm glad you're enjoying RE4 Remake. Um, You said there's a tale of two remakes, however. Yes. Um, so Resident Evil 4 Remake, is I've got a lot of nostalgia for. I love that game. I was really hyped for this uh, this new one. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have been getting into the Final Fantasy series as the hype train for 16 has been rolled out by the PR teams. I went, you know what? All right. I've, I've listened to it for years and years. Let me get into this series. And people were really hyped about that Final Fantasy 7 remake. And I went, you know what? We are right before horizon and jedi and tears of the kingdom and i want i've got a few weeks let me just get into final fantasy 7 remake and i'm i'm not sure if all the other games are like this but if they are i'm now a new final fantasy fan this game is fantastic well i mean there's a lot of uh updates and changes made to the remake for sure um so you if you go back to the uh you know the franchise proper i don't i don't know if you'll be quite as pleased uh, but it certainly is the spirit of those old games uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, remake's yeah, very the, good. Um, the com- so I started doing research because I'm like, well, hold on. Have I, have I been missing out on this for this long? <laughs> so I went to YouTube and I, I went around. I'm like, obviously it didn't look like this back then. So uh, yeah, obviously turn-based compared to real-time. If, if you're listening at home and you don't know, the original game completely turn-based, uh, kind of an isometric view, like very simple graphics. This is a triple-A budget, giant bombastic thing. And I, I hate admitting this sometimes. I struggle with turn-based strategy games. I, When I was a kid, I loved Pokemon, Advance Wars I loved, like all those old games I was a huge fan of. But what I realized was when I was a child, turns out I had a lot of free time, like a lot of free yeah. time. <laughs> and I have a job and I'm married and a social life. So it turns <laughs> when I sit down to play games, I'm very impatient. I want to get into things very quickly. I want to get to the action. Let's go. So the the remake, I think, has balanced it almost feels turn-based in that it's in all reality you attack and then while you're running around you're kind of waiting for that moment oh do i block now do i dodge now it is somewhat turn-based but in all reality you are moving in real time you're picking spells you slow down time to you know heal a, a team member or whatever and it's it's really really cool so i know that there's like we talked about earlier so many of the games can vary so frequently um i'm about 
I don't know how long. I just got past, to not spoil people, past the second reactor. Mm-hmm. So I just met Aerith. That's probably the best way to, to put it. I'm with Aerith right now. Um, and I'm having a blast. This game's great. I think the the tone can be a little jarring for me compared to other games that I've played. Um, it's a little... I do not mean this disparagingly. It's a little anime and I love anime, but like <laughs> when I started playing, I went, Oh, okay. I just have to rearrange my, my thinking of how this is going to go. And I'm the, I think the craziest thing for me is the story itself. I'm like, Oh, so they wrote this in 2022, right? <laughs> like <laughs> there, there's eco terrorists that are like, Hey, we need to protect the planet because like, turns out like capitalism is destroying the, the earth and so on. I'm like, wow, they did that in 97. Oh, all right. This is, yeah really relevant just shows you how if long only we, we had seen the warnings this. yeah 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 <laughs> how long it's been where it's like <laughs> anyway um it'll be interesting to see i think <clears throat> i think there's going to be a lot of folks for whom the final fantasy franchise started with remake and will go right to 16 like i know i know the mmo mm-hmm. is going is you know 14 is is very uh popular as well but i feel like um there are gonna be a lot of folks like you that that you know their first really playing of a final fantasy game was seven remake and then they'll go into 16 and i think maybe that's why you're seeing the the style continue that direction and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i just mourn the the kind of game that i enjoyed uh a bit a bit but well, I, if Zelda turned into a kart racer tomorrow, I too would be like, oh man, <laughs> give, me, give me back my RPG. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's kart racer level of change, but it is, you know, it's, it's, it's different. And it's, you know, yeah. it's uh, the thing, it's different, not in a, uh, this is also unique and interesting. It feels different in a conforming to the norm. Uh, mm. Which is is what feels a little bit of a bummer to me because we have plenty of games like that. But well, here's I a, could be wrong. Pro tip, wrong. Jeff. What I've been doing at my house, like I love real time combat in my I love action games, but because I do miss a little bit of that turn based, I've started implementing that um, with my family. So when mm. we talk, you know, if <laughs> my kids are in a fight, one of them has to wait just in an idle animation. Mm. How does that work? Well, the other <laughs> one, yeah, I mean, it's great so far. So far, so good. <laughs> Lots of tutorialization. In oh, that, my I'm God. Sure. We're not even yeah. to the fight yet, but um, we're, we're still. <laughs> you know that thing with uh, like a, a like a broken Nintendo Switch controller where the character will just run to the left? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what my kids have. <laughs> <laughs> they just run. They in don't have idle animation so much as just going nonstop. Uh, you should contact Nintendo about that. You know? In Europe, they have to fix it. Yeah, for drift. Um, My kids (laughs) have drift. Uh (laughs) (laughs) My kids have mad drift, unfortunately. Uh, Anyway, what else is on your playlist there, Danny? Um, The other one that I feel like this game is going to take me a long time to finish, but in the best ways possible, um, is Chia, the uh, little indie title that hit PlayStation Plus, um, which is, I always love to see this when PlayStation Plus is like competing with Game Pass and like day and date, we're going to put it on on the service. Um, If you're unfamiliar at home, it is a game based on um, or inspired by a real place, New Caledonia, where the developers are from. And if if I had to like put this into a tweet, Chia is vibes the video game. (laughs) Like, it is just pure good feel vibes. So, I mean, look at the two games I just referenced. Resident Evil 4, 
not a vibey game. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy VII, not a vibey game. I, my wife was watching me play Resident Evil last night, and she goes, your eyes were so wide open during that sequence <laughs> because I was so stressed. Chia does not do that, man. You, you kind of just have a drink, you sit down, and you just hang out in this world. There are, like objectives and there are collectibles and there are things to do but i'm finding that i'm just enjoying sailing or uh there's this mechanic where you can um they call it soul jumping where you kind of take over a bird and you turn into a bird or you turn into a snake or a rock or something i've spent i think an hour earlier today just running around an island having fun i did a couple of tasks that people occasionally ask me for but I'm loving how relaxing this game is. And it's a nice uh, break uh, or a change of pace compared to some of the other games that I've been uh, into lately. This is the one that kind of looks a little bit like Wind Waker, right? It's got that uh, tune, cel-shaded look. Yes, yeah. yes. I, yeah, I. there are elements that remind me of Wind Waker, which is my favorite Zelda game. Um, and one of the things that I the title card shows up and you're you're hitting the open seas and you know the the title card plays music fanfare etc and there's this moment where you're like oh this is the moment where i get to kind of steer my little raft throughout the ocean in this big adventurous moment and what i realized was hold on i'm i'm turning left and right how do i slow down i don't know what i'm doing here <laughs> so what you have to do is you hit square to let go of your rudder then you have to walk across your raft to the sail mm hit square again pick up the sail bring the sail down change your speed and then you have to let go again hit square and then you have to walk back to your rudder and it sounds so simple to make you do that compared to just like left and right left and right but it really changed the way that i was thinking so much more of like okay it is sounds simple to get from point a to point b maybe like a little meandering river but no i'm I'm having to really stop and go no so slow down slow down so that i can make this quick bank okay now it's a straight ahead i can bring the sail back up so there's Wind Waker elements. There's no dungeons or anything you're doing. No Ganondorf. No hot Ganondorf. Mm. Unfortunately, I re- I regret to uh, <laughs> point that out. Um, but it is it is very relaxing. Again, that's called Chia T C H I A, uh, and you're playing it on PlayStation. But I think it's on lots of stuff. It's on PC yeah. as well. Uh, I think Epic Games. Com- yeah, coming to Steam soon. Not available, but has been announced for Steam as well. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist this week? Uh, I would say speaking of remakes, but it's not it's not quite a remake. But in ways, it feels like a remake. And Jeff, it lets me do that thing of new graphics, old graphics, new graphics, <laughs> old graphics. And can I just tell you that these new graphics are incredible? I am replaying Cyberpunk 2077. I started a new save from zero because i wanted to relive some of the moments that i had played the first time through again now that overdrive mode is out overdrive mode is a mode that brings path tracing full ray tracing to cyberpunk 2077 in Cyberpunk 2077 if you go back and and listen to our episode first on that we both played it on high-end pcs when it came out uh, enjoy, I enjoyed the game for what it was. In many ways, it felt you know more actiony and this, that, and the other. It did not feel like what I was expecting it to be, but I had some fun with it, and, and, it, and my PC was able to muscle through most of the problems. And then they introduced different ray tracing modes, this, that, and the other. This overdrive mode, in uh, c- correlation with DLSS 3.0, transforms 
the visual landscape of Cyberpunk 2077 in such a dramatic way that, in my opinion, it, it is to the level of Halo remake, you know, Halo 1 Combat Evolved and when it originally released on the first Xbox of that oh my gosh, on, oh my gosh, off. And that it is the same game underlying, right? There aren't new animations. It's not um, Last of Us Part 1 versus Last of Us on PlayStation 3. It's not that. It is just a graphical overhaul. But the graphical overhaul that happens just because of the full ray tracing of lighting in this cyberpunk neon-drenched world is phenomenal. Scenes that seemed flat or uninteresting before are moody and and speaking of vibes just exuding this energy of this seedy underbelly in a way that didn't before is either like too much red or too dark and the diffused light the npcs seem more natural in the world in a way that i didn't think just changing the lighting could do whereas i think for folks that played it before the best way i could describe it at some NPC characters almost felt like the thing that you'd click on on an old school like uh, space quest style game, you know, like they <laughs> they stood or like, oh, that's the door in the cartoon that's going to open because it's a little different color than all the other doors uh, in this old cartoon. And then paired with DLS 3.0, DLSS 3, I'm still able to achieve, you know, over 60 frames per second as I'm playing through this game and seeing this landscapes. And if you have a beefy GP, and you are able to run this game in overdrive mode. And if you haven't experienced yet it yet also, I know Cyberpunk is kind of a poster child for woof development and woof launch. It's not that game anymore. Like, it's not The Witcher. It will never be that style of RPG that I think Witcher fans were hoping it would be. But in terms of a game that runs and performs and looks outstanding, overdrive mode is absolutely incredible it is jaw-dropping have you gone back to it jeff have you toyed around I haven't, with it at all you're making me want to in- reinstall it so maybe i have to just check it out um i have been resisting digital foundry that. did a did, digital foundry did an excellent video of it too if you just want to like if people don't have the beefy gps or they just want to see it like watch that video on 4k mode you know or whatever on youtube and you can kind of see some of the differences i do think it is different to play it and like Sure. walk around a room in the shadow that it's first person, but the shadow that I cast by being there mm. changes the space. Um, what was it? Your bullets, like your muzzle flash is ray traced. Wow. It's oh, like, wow. what? So you're in this dark, like it's some of the early levels, especially too, where you can't hack your way through. It's like dark um, picture of metal gear, solid interior, like warehousey style compound. And it's now extra dark because the only light sources are the lights in the world creating the things. And you're coming around corners shooting and your muzzle flash is realistic. Oh, dude. Christian, do you know if um, as a NVIDIA GeForce uh, fan, yes. the high tier of that, do you know if it supports this uh, new? Because I don't have a BVGB, but I, I do have an NVIDIA GeForce subscription. Great question. I have not. This just launched on the 11th, so I have not tried. That's a great question. I don't know if that tier of um, I should have emailed NVIDIA and asked, but I have not loaded it up and tried, but I will. Uh, I will let you know. It's worth checking. Report I, it, back because 
I haven't gotten into the game yet. I've been I've been very patient. I've just waited a very long time and other games took over. So you're you're tempting me to get into this. Yeah, I'll check. And I think that's worth people if they have that, you know, premier tier, the 40 series uh, GeForce now, it's worth checking if you can go in and turn on overdrive mode. And to a, a question that's coming in saying, can you only play it with a beefy GB? No, like I also played this. On, it has a dedicated Steam Deck mode also where it doesn't look as pretty, but if you want to take like the story, you can still play it on a lower end card, but overdrive mode. Um, yeah. For the full it, ray tracing, you need a 40 series, right? And I would not try playing it without yeah DLS. If you turn DLSS off, it goes from, you know, like 95 frames per second to 20. I mean, it is <laughs> <Yeah>. staggering. <laughs> yeah. Like talking of AI, that's something that AI is doing now in games that isn't mm-hmm. character, whatever, but it's rendering frames yeah. that didn't exist in the game or couldn't, render out at these um at this fidelity and, and making one it look a single frame in those 90 per second says kill your neighbor in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah really tyler durden's it right you have to pause it and see it just right the robots really don't like my neighbor is the thing that i'm no. learning <laughs> what did they ever I don't do know. <laughs> that's the robots uh what else is on your pl- i gotta i'm gonna download i'm gonna i mean i own cyberpunk i got the bvgb i, I gotta see this for myself uh what else is on your playlist christian MLB, the show, 2023. It's on Game Pass. It's on PlayStation. There's a way that you can play this game. It's not stuck on a Sony console anymore if you haven't if you haven't played it. Specifically, though, so I, I've talked about MLB, I think kind of going back to whenever Ken Griffey Jr. was on the cover for the, you know, signature edition or whatever it was, because, you know, I love, I love Ken Griffey Jr. Who doesn't? MLB The Show 2023, I can't speak to the longevity of some of the franchise mode stuff. People that listen to the show know that that's not, I'm not bringing my rookie up. I'm not playing through the show. I like to play through the season as the team, as the roster, as it exists, then make some tweaks along the way. But that, you know, that's kind of what brings me to the game each year, not the managerial stuff where I'm doing the nitty gritty of the, of the front office and trying to money ball my way to a championship. That said, what MLB 23 introduces to it is the Negro Leagues. And the way that they have included the Negro Leagues into this game is with partnership of uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And specifically, the president of, of that museum, Bob Kendrick, is kind of your narrator. So it is a documentary, documentary, documentary <laughs> style presentation for what they are calling, oh gosh, I have it. It's like stories, um, storylines, what, what the game calls storylines. And other sports games have had this before as well, where you can think the Jordan mode that was in NBA 2K and, and now again in uh, the newest 2K and, and done better. But what I think is so incredible about the this presentation is the way that Bob Kendrick narrates with such passion for something that he's clearly very passionate about and something that our country hasn't done a great job of celebrating, even baseball itself. And it's getting better, but it's still not perfect. And the way that this game talks about the achievements of what these players were doing in this league that was created uh, because of hate and became, in many ways, a beautiful thing that was able to, you know, the idea of, uh, persevering in spite of the most horrible things in the world, the obstacles in your way. And so you get these wonderful, optimistic and hopeful, but not ignorant of the reality 
background from Mr. Kendrick kind of setting the stage for what was happening, what the country was like, who these players were. And then you play in these single player moments of, you know, again, for people who don't know the Negro Leagues, but it's like Jordan hitting the game winning shot, playing when you have the flu, except here it's Jackie Robinson or Hilton Smith or, you know, doing this stuff of these little tiny pieces that don't overstay their welcome. You know, it's two innings, don't allow a hit, don't allow a walk. Um, you're only allowed three balls because that's what so-and-so did back in the, And so you get to play through that, but with the commentary of what actually happened, it is one of the best implementations of that style of like, be Tom Brady, you know, take him down the field in the two-minute drill because of one, I think the context it gives and I think how important that context is. And then also how um, bite-sized the actual moments are. And maybe that's just a testament to how baseball presents itself, where like a two-minute drill in football is going to be two minutes, you know, (laughs) or something like that. But baseball can give you that one inning or that one pitch or that one Mm at-bat. And the way they contextualize everything, it is so well done and so well produced. Um, It alone, I think, makes this game worth it. And I think especially if you have Game Pass, which I know we say all the time, but here I mean it. Download the game. There'll be a short tutorial about like how you want to play, which the show has always done a great job of. Like, do you want this pitching style? Test it. See if you like it. Do you want this one? Test it if you like it. Then when you get through that, you can go straight into storylines. And the way that they present this stuff, I mean, it, it it's incredible. And I'm shocked that no one's ever done it like this. And it's I, I'm so excited that it's finally come to baseball because what these players brought to the game um, and was overlooked for so long. Um, it's truly a celebration of some of the best in baseball and, and presented with love. It's awesome. Wow. That's really cool. It's really cool. I hadn't even heard about that mode. Uh, obviously I'm really paying attention to that product, but man, that sounds really awesome. Really cool. It's amazing that we've gotten to the point where video games are able to do stuff like that, you know, and do it with a level of, of authenticity. I mean, we've just gotten technologically to the point where you can present things in a way that is not oversimplified or, you know, technologically limited. Um, I think that's cool. Very, very cool. Well, um, my, uh, the game that I've been playing this week, I, I, I downloaded a game on a whim, bought it cause it looked like my jam. I wasn't sure if I was going to really like it or not, but boy, did it turn out to be, <laughs> when I am really enjoying a game called War Tales. Now, this ties into a lot of the things that we've been talking about uh, already this week, especially with regard to Final Fantasy and how it's changed, because this is a turn-based role-playing game. And uh, it is so my jam. I think I got it for 25 bucks. It's on sale on, on Steam. But this feels like a massive game. You play a group of mercenaries... And you're moving through this medieval fantasy land and you just do what you want to do. You do, you find adventure. There's no, there's no wake up and oh no, the, the princess has been stolen. Go find her. There's no, your son was captured. There's, there's, it, there's no prompt that, to, to kick things off. No inciting incident, no grand storyline. But there are stories waiting to be discovered on various sections of this huge map. And so that it feels like a big, you know, you just start, you, you create a bunch of characters and you start 
and you can just walk in any direction and encounter, you know, little hovels or full towns and cities or everything in between, a little mill or an abandoned this or a mine or a, uh, uh, you know, a jail out in the middle of nowhere or something. And there's people there to interact with and they can ask you to do things or not. And all the while, you have to sort of manage your team of mercenaries. And so it's kind of got this like XCOM-esque layer of team members that will come and go and you can invest in them and level them up and and equip them, but then they might die in combat and so you might have to replace them and you can hire new people and swap people out and you, you just form this kind of large group of of characters that you're managing uh, from a variety of different ways. Like I got, <laughs> I fought these wolves at one point. I was walking through the woods and these wolves attacked me and I knocked one down to less than 50% of its health. And the game was like, hey, uh, notice that you have some rope in your inventory. You can try to capture this wolf. I was like, you're darn right. I'm going to capture the wolf. <laughs> Captured the wolf. Wolf's now my wolf buddy in my party. One of my characters is a wolf. It's awesome. Uh, and you ha- you manage this this team and they have diff- they all have, you know, you can level them up. They have different uh obviously different attributes that you would find in any role playing game, you know, strength and dexterity and all that stuff. Uh but they also, you know, they can use certain kinds of weapons. They have starting uh classes and then you can specialize them as they level up into even more specialized classes. And you are also responsible for feeding and paying them. So it's got this these elements of sur- a survival game too. You get to a certain point where you have to camp, you initiate camp and at in camp you can, you know, build uh new parts for your camp that are more, much more luxurious. You have to feed the people. Uh so you you're going to have to collect food and and you'll get recipes and stuff to cook cool stuff in camp that will give buffs to your to your characters or or nourish them or you know more uh, you know a better recipe will go longer in feeding more people and you have to maintain their happiness level and you have to uh uh pay them cuz they are mercenaries so certain times you'll find people in the world that you can you can recruit and it'll be like here's what their wages are every so often and you're like oh man they seem really expensive it's got these really cool layers of that and when you start a new game it's got uh, difficulty settings for each facet of the game, which I totally appreciate. It's got like a combat difficulty level. It's got a survival world difficulty level, like how often are you going to have to feed these people? You know, So you can tweak those particular facets because for me, I want the, ch- the combat to be challenging and fun, but I get a little annoyed when it's like every two steps, the whiny characters have to be fed. Um, so I, you know, I, I went down on easy on that facet of it. So I think that's really cool how it is able to be dynamic that way, but man, these emergent storylines. Oh, so I, I'm not doing a great job of describing this game. Starting from a macro level, you are on this big map and you have your little caravan of people walking along. Um, you have a, I can have a pack horse that'll like, let you carry more things. I actually have two horses right now. So you have these these large groups. You can have like, I think, six or eight people. I can't remember. Um, But a lot of people in your party. 
and you're walking across this big expansive over map that actually reminds me a lot of civilization the civilization series the the later ones it kind of looks like that it's that panned out you know it's that um you know pulled back and you're walking along and and day is cha- changing into night and you're you know you're gonna have to camp and you're, you're exploring things and there's stuff to pick up you can find stuff on the map and there's other bands of of mercenaries walking around or or merchants you know there's like a these traveling merchant salesmen or th- like all this stuff happening on the map that you're exploring and finding finding new areas and then when you get to a point of interest on the map you can click on that visit it and then it turns into this static screen that's almost like a point and click adventure game where your characters aren't even present on the screen you're just looking at like the stables and you see the entire element of the stables and there's various people sitting doing things guys shoeing a horse or somebody sitting at a table working on something and you can click on those people to talk to them and it'll zoom in and you can talk to them and they can tell you certain things or you can inspect them and see what they're all about and you can always attempt to steal from people or you know do the game gives you just a huge variety of options as to how to approach it i am being a very lawful and good kind of guy trying to trying to you know be a a hero but you only use your rope for good is all you're I, doing. I just you're not- I, I want the, the, the wolf to learn the error of its ways <laughs> um but all of so many of the quests that are or the or story beats that i've encountered in the world are in this delicious shades of gray area where there's no real clear good or bad approach you really have to make an interesting decision for example I mean, a lot of the the story of the game at least at the beginning is this dynamic of these refugees that are trying to survive and the sort of law in the world saying that's not okay. And so, you know, one example of a story that I got into was um, this woman was like, Oh my gosh, my husband, he's, he's, you know, he's wanted for, um, for stealing uh, he's, he came in, he came to this place and he stole this, this stuff, but it's because we're so hungry. We needed it. And then she's like, can you go and tell his friends that they're going to hang him for stealing? All he did was steal and they're going to go hang him. So yeah, I went and found this pack of his friends and it turns out his friends are this like militant refugee group who are like, yeah, we'll go and we'll save him. We'll, we'll slaughter all the, the cops, the, you know, the, 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 the sheriff of the town and all that stuff. It's like, well, I'm not super down for that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, what do we? Uh, and it, it it really gets you in this position of like, well, who are you going to save? Are you going to let the the law hang this guy for stealing, or are you going to help his band of outlaws disrupt the local order and literally obliterate a town's protective? It's like. Ooh, interesting, juicy, fun, no right answer. Just what, where do you want to be in, 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 in all this? And every quest is like that, where it's like, there's not clear. I love that. I love shades of gray. It's so Especially good. Especially because video games are the only medium that you could really, I think, truly effectively do that, where they're, they're handing you, Jeff, the, the reins and say, hey, this is a tough decision. You must make this call yeah. right now. And yeah. far and too many games, movies. I think. 
I was going to say, in books and movies, you can only get 50 shades of gray. And after that, it's like... That's true. And then you're done. Well, then you have... Just wait for the game adaptation. Uh, Far too many games, in my opinion, just let you off the hook and are like, well, you can either be the Paragon or the Vanguard. It's like, well, that's just so boring. It's so interesting. It's it's not interesting to actually not challenge me. It's like, I don't know. Um, But uh, I I just Mass Effect all the time for that. Um, The... uh, (laughs) The other Classic, thing is you, you, know, you can get you can get bad your guy thing to do dissing Mass Effect oh, right. constantly. <laughs> uh, anyway, get, this game is called War Tales. I really dig it. The combat is all turn based. It's like classic cool turn base uh almost like XCOM. You get into these battles. You place your characters all around, and then you know you're having to you have all these different kinds of characters and kinds of abilities. If they go down in combat, you have a chance to save them. But if they get attacked again, they're dead. Dead. And you have to recruit mm. new ones. Uh, super fun. My, my only criticisms are the pathfinding in the game is terrible. You click on a place you want it to go, and the, and the character's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like, no, <laughs> come on. You have to, like, babysit them through it. Um, and then the other, my other criticism is that uh, it takes a long time to ramp up into your characters having anything very interesting to do in combat. For a while, at the beginning of the game, you're just running up and smacking people. It's like, well, I can run up and smack. And it makes a lot of makes a lot of hay about getting these cool, you get these cool valor points that you can spend. And there's a, a lot of the strategy of the game is how you can acquire valor points. For example, the first leveling up of many of the characters is you can choose how they'll get a valor point as far as if you end a turn next to an ally, if you end a turn next to a bad guy, or if you do the finishing blow, you'll get a you'll earn a valor point. So it's a way to like generate valor points in the context of of the of the fight, and you go well. This character is probably it's an archer, so they're going to probably be in the farther back. So maybe they won't be standing next to anybody, but maybe they will make the killing blow. So I'm, I'll you know use that as the way they get valor points. Anyway, a lot of hay is made about acquiring valor points at the beginning, but you don't really have a lot of skills that use valor points at the start. And you get them as you start getting them. You go, oh, these skills are the cool stuff. Uh, but it takes a little while to sort of build that in. And, and the game, feel, the combat feels very vanilla to start. And it's not until you've played for a few hours until all your characters have a lot more fun, juicy options to do in combat where it really starts being fun. So that's a bit of a bummer. But man, the game is so interesting. The world feels so vibrant. And, you know, a, a lot of the things that you do have repercussions like, oh, the, you know, the refugees have access to this this you know another cool quest i don't think these are spoilers because there's tons of them another cool quest was like i i I went to this uh this this forest where these guys were cutting down these loggers were cutting down all these trees and these people are like you can't cut down the trees you're gonna you're gonna make the wood elves crazy and they're gonna come slaughter us all and the woodcutter's like there's no such thing as wood elves you morons no wood elves (laughs) and i'm like I genuinely don't know if there's wood elves in this game or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to let the people have wood? They need the wood. Or are you going to stop them from doing this? And uh, because you're scared of uh, fantasy creatures. And I'm like, I don't know if there's fantasy creatures in this game or not. You know, so far I haven't seen any. So it's, it's, it's super fun. The, the questions that it puts you in and the, and the, oh, the reason I brought that up is because it was like, I ended up, not believing in the fantasy creatures. 
And it goes, okay, well now the refugees have access to all this wood. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that means going forward, but it, the game explicitly told me like that changed the world in some way. And I think there's lots of stuff like that where it's dynamic and it's because there's not one story, it really does feel like this world that's going to be sort of shaped by my actions. I'm into it for a game that's not that expensive. It it, it really is scratching so many of my favorite itches about games. I love the turn-based combat. I love the isometric view the the sort of point and click adventure game where you're talking to people and you can also click on other things there and, and discover things and you're searching for uh interactable stuff on your screens every time you're at a location it's just really really well done on a number of levels uh it's called it, war tales it just came out um it's on sale on steam until april 24th and it's yeah. shiro games the same folks that made dune spice wars that also had Oh. Really positive reviews of kind of doing a 4X-style gameplay, and it seems like uh, these yeah. folks know what they're doing with some of this turn-based stuff. It has over 10,000 very positive reviews, and 1.0 just came out, so it had launched in early access before, and yeah. 1.0 is now out. Yeah, and I've, 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 you know, I've gotten to the point where my, my characters are doing some really awesome stuff, and they have some really sick gear, and it's it it really kind of gets to a place of getting even better than when you start um a few hours in so man war tales i'm gonna be playing a lot more of it i think i'm i'm hooked on this game i (laughs) i really like it all right well i've been playing a lot of vr as well do we have time you guys want to talk a quick bit of vr let's do it these are also games that i'm probably going to bring up in the future as i as i play through more of them but i wanted to put them on folks radar if you have a, a pc vr headset uh and you happen to already own half-life 2 <laughs> mods have come out for half-life 2 episode 1 and episode 2 in vr and they are superb superb Oh, so well done. It's like Half-Life Alex level. It just feels like the games were built for VR. Incredible. And you're able to use gravity guns. I don't know if you remember episode one and episode two, but you start with the gravity gun and it's so great. I can't believe how perfectly these games play in VR. Um, in first person VR mode, they're free. They're free if you own the game. So uh, I have been playing Half-Life Episode 1 VR. I'm excited to play Episode 2 when I finish it. It it looks excellent. I mean, the games are old, right? These are old games, but it looks great for VR. It doesn't look as good as Half-Life Alex, but it's close. It's close. And uh, it plays – I mean, you would not even guess that these games weren't designed this way, that there was a mod. Can you, can you play this with – did it – Half-Life – one of the Half-Lifes also got – like a path tracing mod because that has gone out to the community. Could you play that with, Ooh, that's what I'm going to be looking into. Could I combine my <laughs> cyberpunk, all the rays, all the traced everywhere with a VR mod for half-life. That'd be fun. It's possible. I don't know. It's possible. That'd be fun. Um, but I, I just wanted to put that on folks radar because they're free and they're awesome. Now also another game I need to put on your radar PC VR. I know, I know a lot of folks would get into VR with uh, PlayStation VR two. 
I want this next game I'm about to talk about to come on uh, PSVR 2. It deserves it. And it is very much a uh, a Half-Life-esque. <laughs> it, is, it is in conversation with Half-Life, I would say. This is a game called Vertigo 2. I never played Vertigo. Never played the first Vertigo. I heard it was pretty good, but I never played it. Vertigo 2 feels to me like Half-Life 2 to, the ha- to Half-Life, although Half-Life was a very well-regarded game as well. Vertigo, Vertigo 2 is a VR game made by one person, a single human being, and it rivals anything I've played on VR. I mean, there are elements of it that are very simplistic, and uh, some of the graphics are uh, a little humorous, not in a good way. <laughs> but if you can overlook those little rough edges, this is a tremendous tremendous thing especially knowing it was made by one person yeah i'm on the steam page right now watching the trailer did that one person use chat gpt and open ai to make this game because this does not look look remotely like a single person did this this is it is so the idea of this game i don't don't know what happened in the events of vertigo because i didn't play it but uh evidently it picks up pretty much right after that game lets off and it it very much is an homage to the half-life series so if you know the half-life series starts stars gordon freeman as this engineer crazy portals start opening up at his place of work because they're doing these crazy experiments and he has to turn into a hero because aliens show up that's very much what happens in vertigo 2 as well you are employed by this guy named brian who works at Brian Industries. And Brian has been doing, has this crazy facility where he does these wild experiments, uh, exploring alternate dimensions and crazy technology and stuff. And what, lo and behold, he opened up a portal and crazy, Mm -hmm. uh, dangerous alien creatures from other dimensions are showing up. The enemy design in Vertigo 2 is hilarious and delightful there are all manner of weird wacky things there's like a cube faced guy who will hop at you and you know with this crazy face and you shoot the the cube and his he breaks apart into pieces there are i mean it's it's just the game has a very good sense of humor and it is often making fun of the fact that it is so clearly inspired by half-life and portal and so there are rooms where you'll see clear references to those games. It is very self-effacing. It's very jokey. But it is so inventive that one dude made this game, blows me away. The place, the things you will do, the places you will go, what happens, it's so clever. There's fun puzzles. There's It, it is top-tier VR game right now. Graphically, not going to be a showpiece for your VR headset. Uh, but serviceable, completely fun to play. Um, I I have very positive things about Vertigo 2. I, I was going to wait and talk about it after I finish it uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of twists and turns in the story that I don't know. I mean, I, I hear it's a 20-hour campaign. One person made Dang. it. One person. Um, Guys, that, that one person is 22 yeah. years old, according to this has Twitter. Done more and his... I, I've never felt so exactly. unaccomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Vertigo 2, PC, VR, must buy, in my opinion. 
must buy. I think it's also like 30 bucks. So I'll talk about it more in future episodes. But for now, that'll do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Danny Bogue, thank you for being here. It's been so much fun chatting with you, man. Thank you both so much for having me. I've uh, been a listener and a fan of the show for so many years. So it's been so excellent and so much fun to be here. I'm pleased to hear that. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff that you do online. Sure. Um, I mean, as I said earlier, my uh, TikTok page is uh, at Good Gamers Club. Uh, I always find it uh, whenever I tell people about this. I think that there's still misconceptions about TikTok. I feel like so many people today feel TikTok is still like kids dancing (laughs) and, you know, uh, meme videos and stuff. And don't get me wrong, those exist. But uh, in the time that I've started this channel, I have found so many incredible gaming creators and gamers and fans that... uh, there, it's an amazing community there there's very smart people there's very funny people there's sometimes we do like there's live streams everywhere that just kind of show up in your feed um and so yeah on my page i do a lot of news reviews opinions and dancing um, right and, and uh, plenty of dancing <laughs> <laughs> i thankfully no i don't think anyone would want to see that uh, um so that's at good gamers club um usually when i tell people about my tiktok uh some people are like oh do you have instagram reels I'm dipping my toes, so you're welcome to follow at The Good Gamers Club on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways to get my content to both of those places. It's very small right now, but feel free to follow and get those videos as they come out. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is DJ Bogue. Uh, it's like Rogue with a B. Um, and that's just my personal page. I talk video games there, but all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? uh great question um a lot i think i think we're jeff it's busy did you know it's busy that that games don't stop coming out it's Mm -hmm. always (laughs) it's always busy um i write long form about video games on my newsletter usually about one or two a month you can find that you can subscribe to that at tinyletter.com slash christian spicer um and then when embargoes drop kind of in the middle between shows i will blog about those and you can find links you can find that as well as links to everything else i'm doing at my website which is christian spicer.com also squarespace thank you squarespace that's a squarespace site yeah baby. um and uh i'm trying to think I'm trying to think I'm trying to think oh if you missed it uh we i hung out with you guys for the film cast we talked about uh, yeah. the super mario brothers so movie and all of the gold coins great episode thank you well thank you all the gold gold coins that that movie has made um i think that's it jeff how about uh how about you well you can always follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t and i've got other shows the film cast you just mentioned it you're talking about movies and tv shows big big episode this week we're doing the summer movie wager which we have done for quite a number of years we had to stop it in the middle of uh covid but it is back and it is back with a vengeance this year because it uh, the summer movie slate this year is bewildering. I, I I don't know what's going to be the number one movie, but we try to rank all the movies from one to 10 in, d- in terms of domestic box office. Not an easy thing to do, uh, but it, it makes for some fun, fun debate. And we're recording that uh, tomorrow morning. Should be in the feed very soon. So check it out, Filmcast, uh, wherever you get podcasts. And um, I also do uh, We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And the... Uh, the fan controlled show is all about sports and 
wackiness and, and goofery. We had a uh, knockdown, drag out Seinfeld trivia contest where two of the two of my co-hosts uh, uh, fancy themselves as Seinfeld aficionados. Our commissioner, the football uh, league's commissioner, Ray Austin, revealed himself to be unstoppable, unbelievable. There were, we did 50 questions and I think he missed two. It was mm. crazy, crazy. Wow. Uh, ma- massive Seinfeld uh, knowledge base on him. Anyway, you can find that anywhere you get podcasts, fan-controlled sports and entertainment. Uh, it's a fan-controlled show. And I returned to the Dungeon Run this last week and did a did a two-shot, the first episode of which is available on YouTube. It's fun. We did wacky. You don't need to know anything about the show to enjoy it. It was a wacky, good, fun time. We took the kids to the circus, took the, uh, to the team uh, to this wild fantasy circus that I invented in the context of the game world. And uh, let me just tell you, it was wild. It was fun. It was wackiness ensued. <laughs> so check that out of uh, the Dungeon Run on YouTube. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Danny, do you have something? Uh, something? <laughs> assumption? Do you have something to help people get through their week? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have an assumption of something that might work for people. Um, a show that both me and my wife uh, love. If we ever have a bad day and we come home and we're like, man, I just need something to like pick me up and just make us feel good. A travel show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, it stars Phil Rosenthal, who is the uh, executive producer on Everybody Loves Raymond um, from the 90s, a great sitcom. Um, it's it's fantastic. I love travel shows overall because I love travel. I love food. I love meeting new people and new cultures. And he's just got this personality that is so infectious. He He's curious. He's excited. He's honestly goofy and silly. Um, and... Every single time that I watch it, I I can't finish it without a grin on my face. Like it it is a blast. So if you if you're looking for travel and trying to feel good, somebody feed Phil. Sounds great. Somebody feed Phil on Netflix. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? I'm not going to get into like medical. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if there's any actual medicinal medical reasons for why this is a good thing. But I used to when I was an actual athlete in college after workouts and just in general throughout, I'd have a routine and I would take ice baths, a cold plunge, if you will. Yes, that is the sound my body makes when it hits it. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten out of doing that. But I I had the opportunity recently uh, with some friends to go to I guess it's a spa, but it's like hurt yourself spa. It's a cold plunge is, is what we did. Um, and I missed it. I love it. It, it, it I feel like it, it kind of like a sauna or a hot tub, steam room, any of these things that I don't do that often, I guess, that maybe other people do all the time. Massages, I'll throw that into it as well. But I found it very refreshing, this idea of shocking the body and being in uh, an ice bath type environment and then kind of resetting and stepping in. I found very therapeutic. And if you have maybe not done that before, it might be something that you too are into. And it's easy to do. You can do it at home. You don't have to go somewhere fancy. It is literally just a cold tub. <laughs> and then uh, don't stay in there too, too long. Uh, but you might like it. Check it out. Did I ever tell you that Anthony Carboni and I uh, did that cryo chamber thing? 
No, was that like? Did, I, oh man, we did a long time ago. We shot a pilot for a show that never went, but it was all about you know crazy science stuff. And um, we d- went to the. Have you ever done those cryo? I have not. Therapy? But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I realized, like, oh, people come out of it feeling amazing because their body is like, we didn't die. This is awesome. I was like, oh, a cold yeah, plunge it. is not, and an ice bath is not that, was not that for me in college. I felt like a, a muscular reset mm. after like a hard workout. Which I think now it's like after a long hike or after this, that, and the other, the same way that I think uh, heating or like icy hot, hot can warm you up. Like after you're done and after you properly cool down your body after a workout, going into a, a cold plunge or an ice bath, I think can be therapeutic. But yes, I do not... Uh, don't push it towards death. I'm with you on the uh, the sun. I like I like getting it nice and warm and cozy. But who not fan not a fan of the cold 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 plunge. Anyway, um, my parting gift is a show that has taken Netflix by storm and rightfully so. I finished it last night. It's called Beef. There's nothing like this show. Either either of you guys check this out yet? Uh, I'm aware of it and I love the folks behind it, but I have not started it yet. I have had many people in my life uh, tell me that it's, it's a, a must. must. So I, 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 I got to add it to the queue. It is a must. Uh, don't get spoiled. I can tell you that this show goes places. Uh, <laughs> the, the premise is two people get into a, ro- a, a road rage ac- uh, incident in Los Angeles. And then their lives are changed. And that's an understatement because it is this show <laughs> is intense uh the ending i i i guarantee you will not see the ending coming <laughs> is it a is it a comedy is it like a dark it's a dark comedy, comedy. Like, yeah what? it's very dark okay. uh but also they're definitely humorous but it is it's introspective it's powerful it's interesting it's 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 as if somebody went what is the farthest we could take this and then they kept going we could go farther we could go farther. Oh man, we could. Yeah, we could definitely go farther. It's uh, it's special, special show. It's called Beef, and it is on Netflix. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from C four, person calling themselves C four. Uh, C four says tales of Maj Eyal, M A J apostrophe E Y A L Maj Eyal, I think is an incredible turn-based roguelike that's available for free at te4.org or on Steam for seven bucks, $1.39 on sale. It's a massive world with tons of lore, infinite randomized loot, and many surprises to unlock. The overworld is static, but the dungeons and zones are randomized. The game features unlockable classes, races, and even talent categories, which is a group of four related skills. For example, this is made up so as not to spoil anything, You could play a dwarf fighter that wields two shields. And during your play, you unlock the talent category for traps or poisons or ranged combat because you chose to kill a particular NPC instead of saving them. Now, any future character you create could have access to those categories, depending on class or in-game event granting them access. Or maybe you spared the life of an evil wizard, so you unlocked a new type of spellcaster class. This game isn't just standard fantasy tropes that unlock... That that unlocked spellcaster could be a temporal warden that have learned to work with their other selves across multiple timelines. 
a demonologist, a saw butcher, or a sun paladin. With the expansions, there are over 35 classes available. You can play a ghoul psionicist, but don't be expected to let them, don't be expected to be let into a town. There's a lot more going on, which keeps it fresh, and it's fairly quick to play thanks to an auto explore button. The game does require a bit of mental and time investment in the beginning on your part because there's just so much going on. It might take a while before you're able to quickly parse the information on screen. The developer is constantly adding to it, even after all these years. Again, that is called Tales of Majeal. Majeal? Uh, and it is uh, available at TE4.org. All right. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We love hearing from you. And we love reading your parting gifts. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Danny Bogue and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. You can get swag for the show, merchandise, shirts, and hats at dlcswag.com. Thanks to Jesse J. Anderson for setting that up. And thanks especially to our patrons who make this show possible. We would not be able to do it without their support. Thank you, patrons. Our top tier patrons, our hype train level, get their names read out at the end of every episode, which Christian is going to do right now. Hello and welcome to Smooth Jazz DLC. We're sending out call-outs to all the hype train patrons out there on this lonely road of life, looking for those sweet, sweet melodies that get you through the day and bring you closer to the human connection and the strengths of this shared hobby we love. These hype train patrons bring the show to all of you and help support what we do here on Smooth Jazz DLC. Those thoughts on this warm spring night go out to Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, and Christian Bravery. Jad and Peter Holberg with Michael Buck and Mike Lombardo. The Spice Man Silencer wishing all of you a great night. Alongside Albert Ferreldios and Jonathan, the Spice Man Forever Stu Goss out there in this milky abyss known as existence with Kevin Brazel, Ben and Dan Palmino bringing those good vibes from morning to night with Malcolm King and Mark Gowlin plus Jonathan Putney and Will with one L Harris Chris Zacharias for sending out these good vibes to you Jonathan Talbert, 
I'm Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, and Dan Flanagan too. Anthony Gulas putting that good energy into these sound waves from my lips to your ears, bringing Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, David F., and all the rest of us together on this lonely. Boy 66 and Brian Jordan with Kevin Eddy plus Rob or Wonder Rob Dominguez. We might not be close physically, but we're all next to each other when the sounds bounce from one thing to another into our ear holes with Dwayne T. Robinson and Tyler Buckwild Broad, Stephen T. Cybert with Joe DeFrank. And let's not forget Scott Lambert out there, show Ken alongside comedian Aaron Trahan. Curtis from Louisville bringing it to us soulfully with love and relentless wrecks. Michael S., Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, and Rob Ricksman reminding all of us that Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Victor Valenzuela, Matt. Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness are all part of one consciousness that is this here smooth jazz DLC with Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, alongside Yick, Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick, Strauss Klein, and Josh Peak. Tyler Wigger, you, me, and the rest of the Smooth Jazz DLC family. Enjoy this oblivion because it is the experience we have. And I'm also told to let you know we are currently out of oat milk. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.